Welcome to Risk Never Sleeps, where we meet and get to know the people delivering patient care and protecting patient safety. I'm your host, Ed Gaudet. Welcome to the Risk Never Sleeps podcast, in which we learn about the people that are on the front lines delivering and protecting patient care. I'm Ed Gaudet, the host of our program, and today I am pleased to be joined by Valerian Couch, the Director of Information Security Operations for the Planned Parenthood Federation of America. Let's start with a little bit about you, your background, your role. So tell us about your role at the Planned Parenthood and a little bit about the organization. Director of Infosec Operations. I'm basically over everything with the Security Operations Center with the SOC. So we protect everything internal and handle a lot of the affiliate data as well. Okay, great. So you're the protector. You're actually watching the screens and all the vulnerabilities and incidents coming in. Yes, we do have team. <laughs> For that, and I've managed those teams. Awesome, awesome. How, how big is the team? Now, we have a sizable team across the organization. Okay, good. And then what type of tools do, does, do you use with the SOC? Um, basic tools, can't get into mo- most of the detail with that, but we do use a lot of basic security tools, but just for confidential reason, we don't get into okay, sure, that, the details. That, that makes a lot of sense. So tell me how you got into healthcare in particular and in, in, in cyber. Healthcare, I actually started in cyber a while ago. My background started off in network engineering, then I went from network engineering to security and cyber. I started with nonprofit and manufacturing before I came to healthcare. So I was the CIO for a school district, and then I came over to the healthcare industry. And it's, it's been an eye-opener with the amount of threats and the landscape that goes on across the board. So it's just dealing with the day-to-day between what was going on in the educational space to the healthcare space is similar across the board, actually. Yeah, but it sounds like the volume's different. Yes. Yeah, excellent, excellent. And what's, from your perspective, what's different coming into healthcare that you notice maybe from other organizations that you've been at? I think that the, it's not even really the level of threat. Um, it's different. The level of threat is really the same. And honestly, um, I think that being able to be on the forefront, checking um, data, um, protecting and securing systems and stuff before they happen. It kind of, you have to be an advocate for this, to be in this, to say, okay, well, I know this is my job. This is what I'm going to do 24-7. Being able to check this organization, being able to protect patient data, patient information and stuff as well. And it, it gives you a sense of part of being able to do that. But then also from an educational space, it gives you that sense of protecting kids' data and protecting teachers' data. So it, it kind of merges themselves just in different fashion. Yeah, I love that. And that shared mission that you saw on the educational side certainly translates in, into healthcare. Correct. Everyone's been, everyone's probably been to school at some point in their life. And we're all patients at some point in our life, or we know patients or yep. have loved ones that are patients. I love that connection of the shared mission. I haven't heard that in the past. That's really great. As you think about your, your exiting 2023, we're coming into a new year. What are the things you're looking at? What are your top couple of priorities over the next year? It's a big year, really. Well, you got election going on, you got different things going on. So we have to tighten security everywhere and not just from the healthcare space, from the automotive space, the education space. Just we have to tighten security across the board because mostly, most times, a lot of things happen around um, election years. Mm-hmm. And, and 
you have a sense of security coming in that is not being seen, and you get more on those years because of the election, because of the different things that are going on inside of those different spaces, especially if you're in education, healthcare, and some of your big name industries, like it is more is more out there that we can't see. So we're steady trying to protect the unknown, deal with the unknown, handle the unknown while we're trying to make sure our systems are compromised for those those issues or team twenty four. I think that's a great point. And and I think it's often overlooked with an election. I'm sure the bad guys are leveraging that as people are distracted or focusing on the election to to increase their attacks. That notion of staying vigilant and, and more disciplined is very important. Correct. That's a really good point. Any other priorities you, you want to share? How about from a team perspective or, or from your own personal perspective? I think from a team perspective, I still want to uh, cultivate my team, kind of get them more around training, learning more. We have a great synergy uh, with my team, and that's with any team that I kind of step into. We want to make sure that we all always have a synergy to where we feed off of each other. We kind of know uh, where the weaknesses lie, where the strengths lie, and who could do what, and we just pick up from there. Mm-hmm. I think training is a big part in this industry as you continue training to learn uh, the ongoing threats, learn the ongoing surrounding of the environment that you place yourself in is a big notion of how we're able to protect that environment, how we're able to protect those organizations. Yeah, I checked out your LinkedIn profile and I love the point that you made about your passion about building a culture of accountability and collaboration. And that makes a lot of sense in in, in what you just said there. I think it's important for all teams to have that perspective. But as you think about the last couple of years with the pandemic and obviously going into the election, I imagine there's a lot of things that keep you up at night. Anything specific you would like to share? (laughs) A lot. So during the pandemic, I was actually at the school district, man. It was, hurry up, let all the kids go virtual. Okay, now all the kids go back. We had to transition, make sure everybody had books. Teacher has access to the digital stuff. It was just crazy. And it was just going into healthcare after the pandemic kind of gave me a little bit of a slower pace of what was going on there. It was just, it was a lot. It was a lot. Yeah, and, and didn't you have to structure the classrooms in a way to, to maintain that? Yes, yeah, so we as well? did have to structure the online classroom. That whole infrastructure was online going. Even when they came back to school, we still had a in-person presence and we had a virtual presence as well to make sure that we kind of had a collaboration between the two with the teachers, make sure that their equipment was always working. And that in, in school equipment, you had students that was at home while teachers was teaching in the classroom. That's it was different. <laughs> Did you go remote for a period of time or were you pretty much in the classroom? For they, The teachers went remote for a period of time and the students did. So I think they were there about a year and a half being when we came back. It was, you might have some surprise where half of school got sick COVID then they went remote, this school went remote. It was just back and forth since then. Oh, geez. Yeah, yeah. So that was a tough couple of years, I'm sure. Um, what are you most proud of, either personally or professionally? I think that professionally, being able to be efficient enough to make everything run, keep everything up, building an infrastructure where we can make virtually happen or can make things happen, 
being able to provide to the community um, a virtual desktop environment to where they can learn different things and then also coming to Player Parenthood and bringing their knowledge there as well. And uh, personally, I should be done with my doctorate this month. I'm trying to schedule when Whoa. I defend my doctorate, yes. That's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. What, what did you, what's your thesis on? Um, so I'm scared of where to take the twin. Ah, there you go. That's a great topic. Yeah. <laughs> well, excellent. Well, good luck with that. So outside of healthcare and IT today, what are you most passionate about? What would you be doing if you weren't doing this job? I love to write. So we're doing a lot of writing. I do poetry and the writing. I do. Did you say poetry? Yeah. I write poetry too. Yeah, it, it, it is. Most awesome. people don't realize it's soothing. It, it sits with you. It's relaxing. It is. It's yeah. just like, you know, describing things in a way that makes sense to you and you understand and it kind of just brings peace to you as well. That's right. You get it on pay on the page. And once it's on the page, it's outside of the head. So <laughs> you're right. It's very cathartic and it's very soothing. It's a really good way to think about yes. it. Yes. A- any favorite poets that you have or that you read? I think out of all I still I want to say I like the Hughes a lot as well. Likes the Hughes, um, yeah. I did read a good bit of my Angelou stuff, but I love how Langston conveys a lot of his stuff. Like, there's a lot of new boys that I don't know by name, but the way that they talk about life and incorporate life into their poetry now, it makes it where it's relatable to millennials or to the, the younger groups. Like, if you're old school boys, related life into overall structure of life. But now therefore the drift down into the day-to-day stuff of what's going on in life with you. That, that's right. And a lot of the old time poets tend to see it through the metaphor and where a lot of the poets today obviously will still leverage metaphors, but they're much richer in the language, I think, of yeah. like you said, of the contemporary what's happening in the moment in today, there was a, was a really good documentary over the weekend. I watched Nikki Giovanni. Do you know her? You ever read her poetry? She was an activist during the 60s and she wrote a lot about the civil rights struggle, obviously, and other things. But she's the documentary is excellent. I highly recommend it since you like poetry. <laughs> I don't get a lot of people say that. So I, it's what I would be doing if I wasn't doing this job. So if you could go back in time and talk to your 20 year old self, what would you tell your 20 year old self? Those are the military. <laughs> Are you? I didn't know that you were. What, what branch were you in? I was in the army. Me too. Thank you for your service. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Where were you stationed? Bloomwater, Germany. Oh, okay. And where did you do basic? I did basic at Fort Jackson, Fort Jackson, Bragg. Bragg. Okay. Bragg, yeah. Benning. Oh, Benning. Oh, okay. Yeah. Infantry. Then I was field artillery. Uh, just, at that time, it was the best thing in the world. Uh, I wouldn't change it, but I think that me now. And all the stuff that we have in our fingertips, I would say, okay, let me go back and say, hey, you have another option. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. I like that answer. Um, but it molds you to the person that you become. So take those core values and shape yourself. So it kind of plays a big part in my work ethics as well. Yeah, no, I, I similarly, I needed the discipline at the time. So it's sort of, 
in, in many ways, it saved me. I think uh, I would have taken a, probably a different path that probably would have ended up well. Well, that's good. Yeah, I was. I did my basic training at Fort Knox, Kentucky, and then I was at Fort Bragg, and then I went to Oklahoma, Fort Sill, for officer training for the field artillery. So yeah, I ended up being stationed in a long order. Family at the rock. Oh, yeah. How many years? years? How many years? I did four and a half in oh, long wow. order. I did a total of six, but I was in long order for the majority of it. But I did cool. Iraq twice. Oh, jeez. And wow. once. Oh, wow. Okay. So you did, you, yeah. I, I got out just before that all started to, to happen and unfold. So I've got to ask you this question because this is the Risk Never Sleeps podcast. What's the riskiest thing you've ever done? In life or <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tell me in life. Don't tell me as in the sock. <laughs> I think looking back, jumping on the planes would probably yeah. be the reason. Oh, were you airborne? <laughs> were you airborne? Yes. Oh, all right. So I, think, I think yeah. I think my knees are paid for they'd be for the one life, right? But oh so. yeah. I imagine, yeah. Yeah. Many trips to the VA after that. Oh yeah, I played it a week. <laughs> okay yeah no jumping out of planes is risky <laughs> no doubt but i don't know at that point we live for the thrill so yeah, yeah. absolutely Just a- i don't know if you got this question in advance but i'm assuming if you're a poet you probably like music as well if you were on a desert island and you could only bring five cds or records with you what would they be Runner cds or records yeah hey bb king Oh, nice. Yeah. I would do, I would do a gospel CD in there. I'd throw Kurt Franklin gospel CD in there. I would actually do Garth Brooks CD. Garth Brooks. Okay. Yep. Yes. Yep. Yep. Gotta have your country. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm the reason for around the Bama, so I kind of mixed that. <laughs> yep. Yep. The bottom of it. Okay. That's about no, it. No classic rock, no R&B, soul. R&B, I hit it with song. And they got a couple new artists, I think. We got something named New Blues Artists. That's right. I really love blues. I really hate yeah, blues. Me too. The new R&B stuff is fine, but when you listen to blues, it reminds you of poetry a lot too. So they kind of just... Yes. That. Yeah. Exactly. It's much more... Well, it's... It pulls at the heartstrings more than R&B. R&B is it's a, it's sort of a lover's music, whereas soul is a, a lot of pain in soul. And uh, there's some jazz ones out there that's real nice, too. I'm a huge jazz fan. My, my dad would put me to bed to jazz records when I was a kid, so I grew up on jazz. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. Well, those are good. Those are good choices. All right. So any last advice to folks in maybe breaking into cyber maybe coming out of the network engineering role. Don't take what you learn and feel that it's comfortable to apply it to every day. Come in as open-minded as possible to be able to learn what real world looks like. Because what's in a book is not a real world. What's real world could be actionable, and it can be my loop sometimes. It can be fun sometimes. But... Just be able to take have fun with it, make it your home, but come open minded. I love that. What's in the book is not real world, unless of course it's poetry. Then probably closer Correct. to the real world. 
All right. Well, that's great. Any last minute comments or thoughts for listeners? No, sir. All right. Excellent. Very good. We're here with uh, Valerian Couch from the Planned Parenthood Federation of America. This is Ed Gaudet from the Risk Never Sleeps podcast. If you are on the front lines protecting patient safety and delivering patient care, remember to stay vigilant because risk never sleeps. Thanks for listening to Risk Never Sleeps. For the show notes, resources, and more information on how to transform the protection of patient safety, visit us at sensinet.com. That's C-E-N-S-I-N-E-T.com. I'm your host, Ed Gaudet, and until next time, stay vigilant because risk never sleeps.